So I want to talk to you this morning about a white rose in darkness. A white rose in darkness. They say about the lotus flower, who knows the lotus flower, that the darker and the heavier the mud is, the brighter the flower. And this is so true. I can imagine if you walk and you see the black darkness of mud, and you see this white flower sitting on that mud, what is going to draw your attention? It is the flower. This is what I'm going to talk to you about. A white rose in darkness. As we continue looking at lessons from this book of Job, we're coming to part six today. You go, what has a white rose got to do with Job? What has darkness got to do with Job? Well, everything, because isn't he in a dark place right now? But what about the rose? Is it somebody who came around and just handing out white roses? No, you'll see, my friend, what we're going to talk today about. Uh, he says in this passage there, he says, For I know that my Redeemer lives. That is like a white rose in darkness, isn't it? It's like a ray of light just breaking through dark stormy clouds. It's like a good word in tough times. That's how it is. And this is such with this man's life. You see, some people believe that when you get saved, everything is honky-dory. You know what that phrase means? Everything just goes well. They live like this. They go, my life was all over the place, all over the place, but then I found Jesus. Praise the Lord. And you know what happens now? It is now like that. That, to me, is a flat line. What does it mean, a flat line in medical terms? Yes. You're dead, you kaput. <laughs> Finish and clap. No, that's not what it is, my dear friends. It's not. This is not the Christian life. But people try to live and they try to preach to you like that. They say, if only you come to the cross of Christ, you'll live happily ever after. And who knows that that is not true? That is not true. Why do you want to say that my life is going to become more complex after I come to the cross? Well, in certain areas, yeah. But with your soul, it's fine. That's the good news. You see, I want to suggest to you more that our life is like that. You see, sometimes in your life you get your ups, and who knows about the ups in your life? That's when you go around, you go, Woohoo! It's great, man! Life is good! And then you get also your down times, isn't it? Look at these deep down, down times there. When you sit there and you go, Oh, oh man, it's so difficult. I can't even get out of bed. I can't even face the person next to me. And this is before the cross. But even people like that comes to the cross of Christ and He saves their souls. But He continues like that. He continues like that. Did no one come to you and say it's going to be a flat line? You, if somebody comes to you and they say it's a flat line, you say, in what terms are you talking? Even if you look at financials, financial advisors don't want flat lines. Am I right, Bo? You want to see growth. You want to see the chart going up, off the charts, they say. Not down, but up. 
No, friends, we live like this often. We are, even though we are children of God, Christians, there are times when even ourselves we find us down into these valleys of despair. This is where we find Job. A righteous man, the Bible talks about him. Not only the Bible, this is God's own words. Have you behold my servant Job? You remember those words? Is this ringing in your ears what he said about him to Satan, to Lucifer? A righteous man, upright. And he had his mountaintops of glory when you sing glory, hallelujah. But then also you have these times down here. The thing is, friends, is what do we do after the cross once we come here? Well, I want to say we walk by faith and not by sight. That's not a flat line, by the way. If we say we walk by faith and not by sight, it doesn't mean it's a flat line. No, it means that when we're going to get into these troublesome times, you know what? Though we cannot see, we believe. And you, and, and you know, this really, the, the world outside of these world walls, they can't understand what I'm saying right now. Though I cannot see, yet I believe. Him, him, this is what Peter says in the book of, in, in the Bible. Peter, he says, him who you do not see, what do you do? You love him. How can you love somebody in something you can't see? We walk by faith and not by sight. That to me explains to us more our Christian life than that, isn't it? This is where people come to you and they say to you, oh, just come to the front and say a five-minute prayer and your life will be sorted out. Is it true? It's a lie. It's a lie. We have to live. Listen to this man, John Henry Hewlett. He was an old English preacher. Back in his day, they reckon he was one of the best preachers in the world. Listen to his words. He says, I wish you would not think I am such a saint. This is a preacher, one of the biggest preachers there was in England. He says, I wish that you would not think that I'm such a saint. You seem to imagine that I have no ups and downs, but just a level of lofty stretch and spiritual attainment with unbroken joy and equanimity. That's what he says, this preacher, this pastor. He preached sermon after sermon. He says, I wish that you won't think that of me, that I do not have ups and downs like I've explained to you. This man says, surely he has them. By no means. I am often perfectly wretched and everything appears more, most murky. Friends, let me say this to you. If I read this in some churches this morning, they will say, that man's not welcome in our church. Oh no, your Christian life should be perfect. How can this man say he's often murky? I'm telling you, we are all human beings, whether you're saved or not. Troubles of this world will come your way. You say, give me the proof. Hello, we've been busy for six weeks now talking about a man who had everything in life. He was well off and he lost everything. And we find him now in a deep, dark valley, don't we? This is Job. I found this and I thought it is also applicable. He says, out of the darkness, out of the dark forbidding soil, the pure white lilies grow. Can you see this in your mind? 
Can you make a mental picture of what I'm reading for you now? Out of the darkness, the pure white lilies grow. Out of the black and murky clouds descend the stainless snow. How beautiful is that? If you look up, in, have you ever seen bright sunny skies and snow flocks falling? Never, friend. No, the dark clouds need to come over. I can give you a geography lesson right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm itching to do that because I love geography. But it's dark, and it's the, the cold and the white cloud air that mixes together. And you know what it does? It pushes it up. It pushes this moist much more up. And then at one point when it can't, it starts floating down to the ground. And if you look into this darkness, what do you see? You see the white snow flocks coming down. What a contrast. What a beautiful picture. He says, out of the crawling earth, bound worm, a butterfly is born. Out of the somber, shrouded night, behold, a golden morning. We've all experienced this. Out of the pain and stress of life, the peace of God pours down. Out of the nails, listen, the spear, the cross, hallelujah, redemption, and the crown. And we should praise the Lord. You should shout hallelujah to that. Hallelujah. Out of the darkness that this world could throw at you and me, out of what Satan was dishing up, out of the murkiness comes. Listen, when, when they thought this is the victory for darkness, we're going to nail him to the cross. We're going to spear him. And we're going we're gonna to have a victory. What they had was a defeat. Oh yes, because redemption came through that ground. Hence me talking to you this morning about a white rose in darkness. Can you see that now? Some people can see the good weather behind the storm. They can see it. This is what I mean by we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, people who don't walk by faith, but they walk by sight wants to see this before they believe. They can't see this in that. Friend, this is the Christian life. Goes like this up and down. I'm standing in front of you a person as well. I go up and down. Oh, there is times that I feel like David when he cries out to the Lord and he says, Oh, my soul, why are you so weary? Why are you so casted down? Is it only me or is it you too? You know, I find myself in good company if it's me. Because I find myself in the company of a man called Job. I find myself in the company of a man called Peter. I find myself in the company of a man called Paul. I find myself in the company of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Himself. Remember, listen, remember the night before He was crucified. He went into the garden my brother was praying about. And what did He say? He says, Lord, let this cup in the garden of Gethsemane, down in that valley, but through all of that came a ray of light, a rose in a dark place. I want to encourage you this morning. Know this. After the darkest of night comes the brightest of day. Yes, and behind these clouds, there's a sun that's shining. I've checked it. I fly, I fly a lot, as you know. Uh, this week I'll be flying to Sydney and we'll be flying to New Zealand at the end of this week. 
And you know what? I love it when there's clouds. I love it. You know, oh, why are you wearing clouds? Because once you get through the clouds, you can see the believers in the plane. I don't know if you've flown a lot, but I did. Once you go through the clouds, that's when the plane starts rocking. <laughs> it's like a washing machine. And you see the white knuckle right riders in there. Grab onto those seats. And, <laughs> and once they grab that, I don't know whether it's the, the scarcity of skin on their bodies, because once you grab that, the skin goes there, and the eyes goes wider. <laughs> You know, the amazing thing that I find as well, once they get to that, they start looking around for others who look like them. Oh. <laughs> but once you break through those clouds, it's a beautiful sunny day. Beautiful. And some people see it like that. And friends, I want to remind you of the words that Job cried out in Job 9:32. This is a man who lost everything. And I want you to see him in the spit of despair. And if you find yourself in that pit of despair, then think about what Job said here. He says, For he is not a man as I am talking about God, that I may answer him, and that we should go to the court together. For nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand on us both. That was a problem. So I want to give you this morning in the time I've got left, just a few great statements of faith from one from Job and the others from the Bible. Are you okay with that? I was going to do it anyway, but I just ask your permission. So here we go, friends. He says, is there a mediator between us? Job sits here in the darkest. He sits there in one of those valleys down there. He looks up and, and I, can, I can feel in his agony crying out, is there a mediator? Or are we going to die in this? What's going to happen with us? Now I want now to fast forward to his statement. And look at this wonderful, wonderful statement he makes. He says, why do you persecute me as God does, talking to his friends? And are not satisfied with my flesh. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. That they were engraved on a rock. What an iron pen and lead forever. For I know that my Redeemer... No, I didn't do that right. No, no, that's not just words that flows out. I want to do it this way. I know my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. I thank the Lord we haven't got babies right now. Otherwise, they would have been awake in the church. He says, for I know that my Redeemer lives. And He shall stand on the last day on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know. That in my flesh... I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns, how my heart yearns within me. You know, he writes down there, he says, Oh, that my words were written in a book inscribed there. Job was afraid that he was going to die before his redemption comes. And he wanted the people after him to learn from him as we are learning today. And he got his wish, didn't he? Didn't he? Here we are now, and we are reading about Job. His words are written down, chiseled 
into the eons of time is the words of Job. How wonderful is that? And you know what is great for me? Out of the darkness of dark, he says these words, I know my Redeemer, He is alive and He lives. How wonderful is it to learn and to take courage from this man in this morning. The word Redeemer there comes from the word Gaul. Gaul. And it, it means it's a relative who can avenge a brother's blood. If somebody killed somebody in the family, the kinsman redeemer will be able to go and kill that person as revenge. Or he can buy back a, a brother's property. This happened in the book of Ruth, you remember? The kinsman redeemer, he was able to do this. And he also had to marry his brother's widow. Why was that? Is to look after her, to give posterity to her. This is all great things. Uh, but he's also the one who set his brother free from slavery. And he could also go to court on behalf of his wrong brother. Now think about this. Who is our Redeemer? Who is our Kingsman Redeemer? Jesus Christ. And he's there, our Redeemer, to do all of that. Can you now feel within your heart, welling up like it was in Job when he says, I know my Redeemer lives. We need a Redeemer, friends. We can't do it on your own. If you sit there in Mochatrog and oh, the world's falling down on me in this valley of despair, know this. Know this. You've got a Redeemer. And he will stand, Job says, in the last days. He shall stand in the last days on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that my flesh shall see the Lord. And this is amazing to me if you think about it. This is absolutely, like they say this word, it will blow your mind to think about this. That Job didn't even know at that point in time about Jesus Christ. This is before Jesus even appeared. And here we sit in the New Testament times. He's appeared. He died on a cross. But still, yes, listen to me, still people will not follow Him today. The one who gives them redemption. Within churches, they sit and going astray. Ah, oh, we'll just add Him to our lives. It's like coffee. We'll just add sugar to make it sweet. We'll just add Jesus to make our life sweet. It ain't working that way. He's either your Redeemer or He's not. You either trust in Him totally or you don't. You're not like the Hindus and the Buddhas to add another God to their collection. What is your God? What place does this Kingsman, Kingsman Redeemer fill in your lives? Our Redeemer, as I said, friends, is Jesus Christ. He is so wonderful to us. He says, I know He lives. For I know, this is what we find out of that passage. I know that my Redeemer lives. That's a positive statement, isn't it? Isn't it, uh, you know, I think. Uh, I hope. I hope my Redeemer lives. Is that what He's saying? Um, contemplating on it. No, no. He says, I know my Redeemer lives. And what does he also know? He shall stand at the last day on earth. This is a prophecy, isn't it? Has that happened? No, it's coming. My friend, whether you like it or not, 
He is going to put his feet on the Mount of Olives on the eastern side of Jerusalem. You're going to go and mark the place out today. And this is the great news here, okay? That he's going to walk down, he's going to walk down that mountain through the eastern gate. And the Muslims knew that. And this is why they've put a graveyard right in front of that. Go and check it out. They've put a graveyard in front of that gate. Do, what, what, are, what Are they kidding me? Do they know my Lord? He's got the keys of death. Man, those graves will open up when he walks through there. You can't stop him. That gate hasn't been opened for years. But there cometh a day and an hour when it will open. This is what Job said back in the day. This didn't even happen when he said this. And then he says, I shall see God. Is that still for you your desire to see God? Is it? You know, the older I get, the more vivid it becomes to me, isn't it? When you're young, you go, oh, no, no I want to live life. You know, blood through my veins, it's going on. There's so many goals I need, still need to kick before I... No, friend, your first goal in life should be to see God in His glory. Job says this in his dark time. Can you see why I call this a rose in darkness? In the middle of all of his trouble, he calls this out. He he shouts out, I know my Redeemer lives. This is in the midst of his wife saying to him, Job, curse God and die. In the midst of him losing all of his children, his properties, every single thing. Man, you haven't been where this man is. Sitting there. And now his friends come to him and one says to him, you're a liar. This is what Zophar is saying to him. You're lying, man. The other one says, you're a hypocrite. Well, talk about good friends, eh? You're supposed to lift the guy up and stand by him. Everybody's throwing more and more stones upon him. Now let me take you to another great statement of faith in the Bible. Who remembers that small book called Ruth? We go to Ruth and uh, we found in Ruth chapter 1 that Naomi was married to a man called Elimelech. And they had two sons. The one was uh, Zillian and Marlon. And Zillian and Marlon had two wives which they took from the people. It wasn't their own nation people. One was Orpah and the other one was Ruth. You remember that? And then what happens? Elimelech died. And it was only uh, uh, um, Naomi with her, her sons and her daughters. And then her sons died. And at that point in time, the daughters were free to go back to their own people. They were set free. There was no kinsman redeemer there for them because it wasn't part of that. They were part of a different culture. And here we find in Ruth chapter 1 verse 16, he says, And Ruth said, Do not beg me to leave you. This is now to Naomi. To return from following after you. From where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Now this is the statement. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Isn't that a beautiful statement of faith? This lady lost everything like Job. There's no future for her. There's no man who will look after her. There's no posterity for her. But she she talks to this Naomi. She goes, your people will be my people. Friends, let me tell it to you today. We are grafted into the nation of Israel as we sit here today. 
We haven't replaced Israel. And if you've heard that and believe that, I pray that God will open up your eyes for that. His people is our people. You say, oh, but you don't know the atrocities that, that those Jews do. Yes, yes, I don't know, you're right. But God knows and He will punish them still. This last seven days of punishment is coming against His people. Go and read the book of Daniel. But you know what? His people is my people. If I walk into a room and I see a Jew, I feel good. I feel good. Whether he's a Messianic Jew or not. Because it's God's people. You know what the world wants to do today? They want to wipe them out. Hitler. Abimajinadat. I said that quickly. I hope I said it right. Iran. The whole Arab world wants to wipe them off the face of the earth, but it's God's people. And I want to say, like Ruth said to, today, His people is my people. But more than that, their God, Elohim, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior, is my God. Is He your God? This is a wonderful statement of faith here. He says, where you die, I will die, and they will be buried. May Jehovah do so to me, and also, if anything, but death parts you and me. Let me turn you to Lamentation, the book that Jeremiah wrote. There's a very dark picture that he puts down in chapter 3. He writes in Lamentations 3 verse 1, I am the man who has been afflicted by the rod of his wrath. Listen to this and put Job into this picture. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. <clears throat> he has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. Can you see the dark clay? Can you see the agony here? Friends, we're living in, in a Western culture. We haven't got what these people are talking about. He broke my bones. It's a dark picture that Jeremiah is picturing for us here. But, oh man, if you keep on reading on, you get to the white ray that breaks through the cloud. Look at Lamentations, Lamentation, not Lamentations, Lamentation chapter 3, verse 21. Listen, he says, This I recall to my mind. Take note, friends. This I recall to my mind. In the middle of darkness, this prophet says that we need to bring something to our mind. What? He says, therefore I have hope. Hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Think about that. And whenever you're going to go through a difficult time in your life, know these words from Jeremiah this morning. Though, though, listen, though we go through these things, we are by the mercy of God not consumed because His compassion fail not. Praise the Lord. And you should say amen or hallelujah or just say it, brother, whatever you want to say because the Word of God is so powerful and true. His mercies, my friend, His compassions, they fail not. That. New every morning. This is my wife's most favorite verse. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. There I hope in Him. Do you remember that graph that I showed you in the beginning? Do you remember that? 
I've painted to you. No, no, Jeremiah painted to you the darkness at the beginning of this chapter, but now comes through that ray of light, and he says these words. He recalled to his words the goodness of God, and it gives him hope. Let me give you great advice here. Whenever you go through a difficult time, think back at the times that God lifted you out. Think back to the Word of God. You know what you're going to do? You're going to say like this prophet say. You're going to say, because he's compassion. He's, what is compassion? What is, you know, we all know what compassion is. He comes alongside you, and he lifts you up. He strengthens you. They fail not. And you know what's the great thing about it? This is not like your petrol tank in your car, which you need to fill up every time. No, no. No, no, friends. This continues on and on and on. His mercies and his compassion are there every morning afresh. How wonderful is that? Isaiah said the same thing. Listen to him. He says in Isaiah 63, 7, I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord. According to all that the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which He has bestowed on them according to His what? To His mercies, according to the multitude of His loving kindness. We are serving a loving, kind God. This is so wonderful. In Psalm chapter 103 verse 17, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and the righteousness to His children. Great statements of faith. Let me take you to Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. He says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power of God may, uh, may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Why? Why, Paul? Why are we not crushed? Because we've got God in us. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body, then dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus might also be manifested in our body. Let me give you another great statement of faith this morning. You remember the three boys, the three Hebrew boys? Daniel, you remember that? The king came and he said, when you hear the music, what needs to happen? Everybody needed to fall down and say, great is and, uh, the king, great is the king. Isn't it true? But these boys, when that sound, when those music bells went off, they stood their ground. They didn't fight the king. They didn't walk up there and say, you dirty old king, who do you think you are? Have you read that? That's what some Christians wants to do. Oh, I'm going to go up to the government and say, who do you think you are? No, no, no. These, they had reference to the king. Look at how they speak to him in Daniel chapter 3, 16. Sadrach, Mesach, and Abednego. They answered and said to the king, you dirty old king. Is that what they said? No. They say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They were firm about what they're going to say. This is about bowing to him. If that is the case, listen, our God, who we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And I hear everybody shout, hallelujah. Isn't God good? 
He's the one who will save you from the fiery furnace. This is what they say. And He will deliver us from your hand, O King. Not your dirty man, your harsh man. No, no, O King. But if not, if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. And he got so angry. Oh man, he was boiling over. I think he was warmer than that furnace. He was going off. He says, seven times more, get it warmer, get it warmer. They got so warm that the guys who, who primed it up got killed. And they threw these boys into that fire. Oh, what a wonderful story. What a wonderful testimony. They say, didn't we throw three boys in there? You remember? But there's a fourth one in there. Oh, man. Woo! I can just see them dancing around. Man, there's a fourth man in a fire. And they came out, they didn't even smell like fire. How good is that? My kingsman redeemer, he lives. Friend, the same God. The same one that these people are talking about is alive today. Woohoo! He's alive! Praise the Lord! He's still our Redeemer. In your... T- oh, you say, but, oh, you know, my, I, uh, my trouble is not as, as big as these guys. I mean, that's really deep valley. They had to go into the fire. Mine is only a headache that I woke up this morning. And that headache is pulling me down. He didn't say how deep the valley need to be, did he? Go to him in prayer. That's what we call a relationship with God. What a great statement of faith that these boys stood up to Him and say, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire. I want to say to you this morning, it doesn't matter what you're going to go through. My God is a deliverer. He's a deliverer. But even if we die in the fire, praise God, we know that He's got our best intentions on heart. How wonderful is that? I want to finish this morning. Let me finish with a wonderful statement which, which, uh, which I love. Let's go to Habakkuk. You remember that man? Habakkuk. Chapter 3 verse 17. And again this prophet talks about darkness when you read the other passages. But then we come to this wonderful statement here. I love this. May God bless you with this. He says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vine. Though the labor of the oil may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet, hallelujah, yet, what? What yet then, prophet? What? What what are you trying to tell us? It is so dark, it's murky. I'm going to show it to you in a minute. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And everybody should shout now. Hallelujah, amen. Whatever you want to shout. You're You're in a Pentecostal church. Come on, don't fall asleep on me now. Praise God, hallelujah. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And I will joy in the God of my salvation. When I know I'm loud, but praise God, man, if He burns your heart, you can't be silent. God is not in for secret agent Christians. No. The Lord God is my strength, He says. He will make my feet like a deer's feet. And He will make me walk on high hills to the chief magician. This was a song. 
This was a song. Then he, you, you know, he says these words, and I, I want to tell you about this. He says, he uses figs, you know. He says, though the fig tree may not blossom. Have you ever seen blossoms on a fig tree? Fig trees don't blossom. We've had fig trees in our house in South Africa. All they do is they come out with a little bot. That's the fig. That's the fruit. Why, why would the translation say blossom? Because, friends, I know. I know for sure because I saw that. When you walk past the tree and you see that little bot there, you know there's figs on the tree. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time because before you can go in. Fig, fig trees, by the way, has got two meanings for, for Israelites. One was they, because of their leaves, they go in the middle of the day when it's warm and lie under the shade. Okay, that's where they read and meditated on, on the scriptures. But the fruit, this, listen very carefully, they took the fruit, the fruit of the fig trees, and they made cakes of that. That was a luxury item for them. Now, now follow me now. Follow me now what Habakkuk is saying here. Okay? He says they take these, these, these figs. He says, though there is no fruit on it, the fruit vines, though the labor of, uh, the second one, the fruit be on the vines. What is vines? It's grapes. What do you do with grapes? They made wine with them. What did vine, wine, not vine, wine, what did wine bring to them? Joy. Joy. So one they made cakes with, that's a luxury item. Wine was a luxury item, yeah? And then he says, then he talks about the olive, you see? Though the labor of the olive may fail, what did they do with olives? They would crush them and get the oil out of them. And the oil to them was also a luxury thing. They used the oil to bake. They also used the oil when they have sores as medicine. They would put it on the skins and everything. This is what olive oil do. It's a very good healing component. This is the things he touches on, the luxury things. Look at him. He goes, though there is no on the olive, and the fields yield no food. Now he's going to go away from the luxury things more to the necessities of life. Have you noticed? Now he talks about what? The food on the fields. There's no grain. And if there's no grain, the animals can't eat. We see it here in Australia, don't we? If there's drought, he's, he's now explaining a massive drought. He says, if there's no grain, the animals don't come. Because he goes on to the next step. He says, there's no field, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there'll be no hurt in the stalls. Why? Because there's no food. Hello? It is a dark, dire situation. Starts from the luxuries right down to the necessities. It's in the midst of this that this man cries out these words. He says, Though this happened, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will joy in the God of my salvation. You see, the, the fig, the wine, and the oil also was also used as emblems of a gracious person. Think of this. It is emblems of a gracious person. And I want you to follow me now. Because this world is trying to get rid of gracious people. You see it all over the news. The world is trying to get rid of gracious people. That We would, as children of God, as Christians, fall into gracious people. Because, friends, we bring, like figs, the cake to the world, the sweetness to the world as Christians. 
We as the wine brings joy to the world. God's people are bringing joy to the world. Oh no, they say, what? You're talking about joy. We've got all of these other joy that Hollywood is telling us about. We can go to nightclubs, we can drink, we can do whatever we want. That is joy. Let me tell you, it's a hollow joy. It's not the joy of the Lord. It's not the peace of God that will surpass all understanding. But we bring that. We bring that. And like olive oil, we bring the healing. What is the healing to this world? It is the salvation of Jesus Christ. We bring it. It's in our bones. We need to bring the joy to the world. He sees he sees it like that in, 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 when he speaks on the mountain. He sees that we are like light. And what do we like to do? We need to shine. Don't put it under a bucket. But let me tell you this morning, the world is trying to get rid of gracious people. This is a symbol of gracious people there as well. Now, it's not there, but I want you to follow me in the Bible. Because I'm going to read it to you in Isaiah chapter 57. Just thought about it this morning as I prepared. And I love the Holy Spirit. Yes, my sermon never ends when I finish these presentations. When I went to bed last night, I was preaching this. When I woke up this morning, I was preaching this. When I came to the hall this morning and set up all the sound with the brothers, I was preaching this. And this part, dear friends, I got just when I went in there and prayed before I came in here to preach. And the scripture dawned upon me. You see, like Habakkuk says here, the fig tree, the fruit, and like I say to you now, the world's trying to get rid of the gracious people. You know what? They don't realize what they're doing. Listen to what Isaiah says here. Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 1. And, and, and think what I'm reading to you now, if you see this playing off on your news every night. He says, the righteous perish, and no man takes it to heart. The righteous perish, and no man takes it to heart. I'll tell you these days, you can go out now and you can rape a girl, you can kill her, in the most agonizing way, and all you need to do is say, oh man, I wasn't pee, I wasn't drugs. And they will let you forgo. You can go and murder somebody now, you can jump in a car, and you can mow people down in Melbourne, and kill seven or eight people, and all you do is, oh, when I was sitting there, I forgot to tell you I've got a mental issue. And they'll put you in an hospital. But the righteous puts his foot wrong, and they'll throw you in jail to rot. They're coming after you because you're a gracious people. Listen to me this morning. I'm not claiming I'm a prophet and I'm by far not prophesying this morning. I'm stating what the Word of God says. They're coming after you because you're a gracious person and they will put you away to rot while these others will run Rome. All you have to do these days. I'm going to try it next time. I shouldn't say this. If by accident, Kylie, I go five kilometers over the speed limit, and if by accident a police officer pulls me over, I'm going to say, oh, you know what, I've got a mental illness. Maybe, maybe I get off. <laughs> I won't do that. He says, the righteous perish, and no man takes it to heart. Listen. Merciful men are taken away. 
Are we merciful men and women? And we are taken away. I'm telling you this. It's not the first time you've heard this because it's already been written years ago by Isaiah. I'm just reading his words. While no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil, he shall enter into peace, they shall rest in their beds, and each one walking in his uprightness. But you know what? I've got good news for you this morning as I end. The world can take us away and throw us away to rot, but I've got great news for you. In Luke chapter 18 verse 7 he says, Will not God bring about justice for His elect who cry out to Him daily? And now you should shout, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, just what you want to shout. Because my friend, God is looking over us. You know what? I want to shout like Job shout this morning. I know what? My Redeemer lives. He says in Luke 18 verse 7, Will not God bring about justice for His elect who cry out to Him daily, uh, day and night? Verse 8, When the Son of Man came, will He find faith on the earth? They're trying to get rid of faith. They're trying to get rid of the gracious people. There are churches sitting full of people without faith, friends. Sorry to tell you that. They are full of that. Listen to, finally, the final verse. Listen to Amos. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. He says, Behold, the day come, says the Lord Jehovah, that I will send a famine in the land, not of bread and water, but of the learning of the words of Jehovah. I want to suggest to you that we are living in those days. You say, oh, wait a minute, but the Spirit's been poured out, and the Word's out there. People don't want to read and preach the Word of God anymore. It's bringing forth a famine. So, my friends, take courage this morning. Take courage. What can we put together as a final word? First of all, Job says, Our Redeemer is alive, and He intercedes for us, and you know what? He's on His way back to stand on this earth. Do you believe that? Do you absolutely believe that? Because the time will come where you will have to stand for that. Not only say, I believe that. This is what Job is telling us. That is the message that you should get this morning. He's alive. He's in, he, do you know he's interceding for us? My brother had it at the Lord's table at the right hand of God, interceding for us. Ruth says, follow him faithfully. You remember that? He said to Naomi, he said, wherever you go, your people will be my people and your God will be my. Are you following faithfully this morning? Are you? This is what we need to pick up and learn from this message today. Jeremiah says, he is compassion and his compassion will not fail us. Amen. Do you love that? Every morning when you wake up, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Lord, thank you for your compassion today and your mercies. They are new every day. And take His mercies, friends. That is what you learn from this message today. And then Isaiah says, He is a loving kindness God. I, how do you put that? Loving kind God. No, He's a God full of loving kindness, isn't He? That's what we've learned today. And then the three Hebrew children, what can we say of them? Oh man, I can see them standing in that fire and they say, He's a deliverer! Amen! Praise the Lord! 
He delivers us even from the fiery furnace. And you won't even smell. Have you been to a barbecue and you stand next to that fire? The mistake I did one day is I was standing at a fire pit and then I had a nice jacket on, which I thought I'm going to put on the next day as well. When I got in the car, I thought, where's the fire? (laughs) It was my jacket. These boys didn't even smell like that. If God delivers you, friend, He delivers you 100%. Yeah? And then finally we learn from Habakkuk, we have joy even when we have nothing. Yes? Will you work by this this week? Will you take courage by this word this week? Let's do that in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Can you call my Heavenly Father, we worship you. We praise you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for these words of faith which build our faith.